0: well um, I appreciate much of what uh, pastor said now in, in fairness um, I wasn't one of the five original at, at Kai Alpha, but I can tell you that I went to a, a Kai Alpha service when there were only five of us and so <laughs> it was um, it's a lot different because it's been about ten years since I've been directly involved but you know we went from five people looking at each other saying well we are Kai Alpha, to I think they have hundreds upon hundreds and so it's really a, it's a great ministry Um a lot of the things pastors said are probably true because I didn't get married till late in life, so I had a lot of time on my hands, so I went to school a lot. So that's why I have a lot of different credentials and things like that. What I have noticed as I get older, just to tell you a little bit about me, um, they say <clears throat> when you preach, you should have good stories and you know good examples. And I couldn't find any that I really thought connected personally, but I can tell you about a personal story that happened to me this week, so you'll understand um, I wear glasses, and my glasses broke, so I had to wear these glasses from about 15 years ago. The problem is my vision's changed over 15 years, and there's this little thing um, that a lot of people who start getting older do, where they wear their glasses like this. And I had a football coach who would wear it like this, and he loved to pull it way far down, especially when he wanted to look at you like this and yell at you. So this past week uh my wife is here rachel and we have four boys uh four sons so pray for my wife because she has five boys with her at any one time our ages vary between the youngest at five and probably technically me the oldest at nearly 55 so we have a very variety of um testosterone challenges and she gets to enjoy that so please pray for rachel um But this week, or about a week ago, my son had a JV football game, so I'm I'm there, wanting to watch. She had to stay home because one of our other sons was sick, so we're trying to help. So I get the bright idea while I'm recording the game, hey, I'll just Facebook Live this thing for her so she can watch it live. The problem with it is several things. One, it dawns on me that while I Facebook Live, I can no longer record it for my son like he asked me or wanted me to. And the other thing is I'm trying to Facebook Live from Lovelady, Texas, which there's not a lot of signal out there. And I'm wearing the 20-year-old glasses that I can't see properly. And so I'm trying to Facebook Live, record a game, talk to the grandparents that are next to me. And what I got was the video equivalent of 25 years ago when we made fun of our parents who couldn't figure out a VCR. Because there's a video that lasted about 17 seconds of me talking to a phone because I haven't realized that the live button's on. I got the glasses down to here. I've got everything going from great-grandpa trying to figure out the iPhone to just technology. I start getting emails, texts, and Facebook messages from people I haven't heard from in 20 years. Nice job. I don't know yet, but when I get to my page and I see that Facebook it took 0.3 seconds for me to hit delete because it looked bad. It looked like I had no idea what was going on. And so um, regardless of all the other things, God will always find a way to remind you that you're not near as cool as you thought you were. And so um, saying that, that was my only thing I could come up with a story because I want to talk about where we are today. I know Pastor is in... Um, burnt stones. And this doesn't really have anything to do with that, per se. So, I was reading this week, and um, my wife had, had done the chronological a chronological plan of the Bible, which I had never done that before, so I started. And on Tuesday, I was reading and got to Genesis, and there was a real interesting thing that happened. It was a conversation between God and Abraham, and in that conversation, um, which... You know, if you've read the Bible before, you may have heard or seen, and and I'd heard and seen it, but I hadn't really um, connected the way I did, and it was Tuesday, actually, the day I found out that Luke wasn't feeling well, and that's kind of what led to today. And what I found in this conversation was Abraham and and God are talking, and I'm going to kind of give you the spoiler version of why this hit me, because as I was reading it, and we read it together this morning, I want you to... At least try to hear what I think I heard. And what I mean by that is tone. Because in a good conversation, a life-impactful, life-changing conversation, I think there's two pieces that really come out. One is purpose. What's the meaning? What's the reason? What's going on in this conversation? And then the second one is intimate, intimacy. Intimacy. Now, when we hear the word intimacy, to be honest, in our culture, we tend to immediately think of physical intimacy. But intimate is closeness, personal. And when we are in those positions, when we really need to talk to someone, if you think about it, that's what we need. We have purpose, but we need intimate. We need someone close. We need someone who understands, someone we can talk to, who gets us. And in this conversation, For whatever reason, and I'll just give you the spoiler, it came across to me, Abraham, as you see, is going to be asking God. He's interceding for someone. But the tone that I read it in that morning, it just seemed to strike me, was like a dad and a father talking. You know, I mentioned that I have five sons. And particularly if you've been around younger kids, they love to play the game of what if. Or they love to play the game of how far can I take this. So if you tell your son, which I've done, especially the five-year-old, hey, I will love you forever. I'll love you no matter what. Along the lines, we're going to get questions that want to test that. Will you love me if I take your french fries? Yes, I'll love you if you take my french fries. What if I punch you in the nose? All right, son. Yes, I'll love you if you punch me in the nose. Well, what if I go break? Okay, let's just stop and let's just get to the end, son. I will love you no matter what. Unless you turn the TV off while I'm watching my Wyoming Cowboys. But other than that, we're good. So that was kind of the tone that I heard. I was hearing intimate... Because God is having a conversation with Abraham. And I heard purpose. What's going on? What do I want? The sovereignty of God. And we're going to talk about that. So, we're going to be reading um, in Genesis. And um, let me kind of give you the background in chapters 15 through 18. Here's what's happened so far. God has come to Abraham and he's given all this stuff to Abraham. And you may know Abraham from he's the, the father of, uh, he's considered the father of many nations. God calls him that. He says he's going to bless all nations through him. Abraham believes in God. He's often called the father of faith. And he believes in God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So Abraham's got a lot going for him. Well, in chapter 15, we kind of get that beginning. He's like, I'm going to make my covenant with you. I'm going to make this agreement. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to establish you, the father of many nations. And Abraham kind of questions him on it, you know, because he's like, but I don't have an heir. I don't have a son to pass this on to. And at this time, Abraham's over 85 years old. So Abraham's probably been waiting a pretty long time. And now you're telling him something that seems pretty difficult. So in chapter 16, Abraham and his wife decide, well, God must mean that they're going to have an heir, and they do it their own way by using a maidservant, comes up with a different son. God's like, that's not the plan. Comes back to him again in 18 and says, listen, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it this way. You're going to have a son. You're going to have an heir. We're going to bless many nations. And he comes to Abraham at the beginning of 18, and he says to him, you know, I'm coming to see Sodom and Gomorrah. I've heard about how terrible it is. I'm going to go see myself. I think that's context for the conversation. He's letting Abraham know. What's interesting is right before we start reading, he tells Abraham, I'm going to do all this stuff for Abraham. Shall I hide from him what I'm going to do? Go back to intimate, a personal connection, purpose, sovereignty of God. And sovereignty is a fancy word that just says that God can take this thing right here, whatever it is, However, it impacts you, and maybe across years, days, or maybe even across miles, use it to help or impact someone else. God's not limited to one event at one time. He's sovereign. It all works together. He has it all connected. So then we come to Genesis chapter 18, kind of where we're going to focus, and we're going to focus really on verses um, 23. Through thirty-three, we're going to read a lot of it, but maybe not all of it. This is what he says: He walks in, he talks to Abraham, he reminds him, "Hey, I'm going to give you this son in about a year." Now, at this point, it's been about thirteen years since the last time God told him about his son. So he's not just eighty-six anymore; now he's ninety-nine, and he's telling him, "In about a year, I'm going to come back, and you're going to have a son." So, as you can imagine, that might be a bit of a challenge for Abraham to buy into. But he says he's going to do this to Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's where he starts talking. He says, Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there's 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. To kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And again, I, I realize there's different ways we can hear God speak, but if you'll grant me the, the moment of so you can experience a little bit of what I experienced, just imagine a son and a dad talking back and forth. And the son starts to ask questions and starts to figure out really how his dad really feels about something and how the parent kind of encourages. So here God replies. The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham speaks up again. Well, now that I've been so bold to speak, so let me ask you, I'm nothing but dust and ashes, but what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, well, what if only 40 are found there? Now you begin to see where I started feeling like my son asking me about taking my french fries. Well, what if there's only 40? I'll spare it for 40. What if there's only 30? I'll spare it for 30. He said, for the sake of 40, I will do it. And then he said, well, verse 30, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? Again, he answered, I will do it if I find 30. I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, Now that I've been so bold to speak, what if only 20 can be found? For the sake of 20, I, won't do, I will not destroy it. He says, Well, may the Lord not be angry. Let me speak one more time. What if only 10 can be found there? For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord finished speaking with Abraham. He left, and Abraham returned home. So, you know, I mentioned to you the conversation itself. And the conversation itself is what really drew me to this sovereignty God had a purpose his purpose was he had he was headed to Sodom and Gomorrah he stops and he talks to Abraham about it because he is sovereign This event that's going to impact somewhere else, somewhere that even Abraham says he knows is wicked. It's not a confusing thing for Abraham. He understands the wickedness of this city is real. What he says is this. I'm not going to hide this from Abraham. I'm going to talk to Abraham. I'm establishing this sovereignty because what happens over here is going to have impact here and vice versa what happens here with Abraham can potentially impact Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, in some study of Scripture, you'll start seeing that it's like, oh, he's pleading, it's intercessional prayer, we're all called to intercede, and that's exactly what one lesson is there. Abraham is not sitting in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he's interceding for them, and he's asking, hey, if we can find 50. I don't know how big Sodom and Gomorrah was, But obviously, 50 is a pretty insignificant number. If you could find 50 people in Huntsville who are righteous, will you spare them all? Well, what if you only find 10? God keeps saying. So we have the sovereignty there, and then we have the intimate peace. Did God need Abraham's permission? Did he need Abraham's advice? Abraham, I've been thinking about destroying something. What do you think? Not at all. He had a personal, intimate relationship with Abraham, and he shared that. Let me share with you what I am. Let me share with you who I am. Let me share with you, and you share with me. Because conversations that change and that are impactful have those pieces to it. It has the intimate, the closeness. It has the purpose, the meaning. And that's what happened. They had a conversation where the purpose and the meaning and the sovereignty intersected with the personal, and it impacts Abraham, as you'll see. It impacts the possibility of Sodom and Gomorrah as well. So those moments that we go through mean something. When I was 15 years old, had a best friend. I was almost 16, and you know, for most of us, that means we're about to drive. And he was a little older than me, so he was always coming over to my house, and he'd pick me up, and we'd run around town. And you know, when you're that age, getting to go in the car by yourself is pretty cool, it's pretty fun. And so he, we went out, and um, of course, it was a long time ago, so we would go to arcades and hang out and play video games and all that kind of stuff. And um, so he dropped me off one night and left. And a few minutes, uh, a little while later, um, my mom came home and she's like, oh my gosh, you know, we would have been home 20 minutes ago, but there's this big wreck and where we live, there was a highway and, and there was a highway that went out to the lake and there was a highway that went back to the city and, you, this, you know, you turn one way or the other and it was out past the lake that there was this big wreck, but everything blocked up. So, um, you know, my friend lived in the city and so he was going the other way. But anyway, he's like, well, I, you know, I don't know what was happening. So I called my friend to ask him if he knew what had happened. And he hadn't gotten home yet because he lived, I don't know, probably 25 minutes or so away. So I just asked him, <clears throat> you know, his dad gave me a call. Well, um, a few minutes later, you know, we still hadn't heard from him. And so my dad says, you know, let me go see what's going on at the wreck. And he jumps in the car. He goes... And it wasn't probably 10 minutes that my dad comes back in the door. And and you know those moments that just kind of freeze, you know, in your memory. And he comes up the stairs, and I remember looking at him, and I remember thinking, oh, everything's okay. He just had that kind of calm look. But I wasn't right. The calm look wasn't about everything was okay. The calm look was, I don't know how to tell you what I'm fixing to tell you. Because he asked me, do you know the license plate number of Warren's car? I did not. I'm like, no. And he said, well, I I can't tell because the accident involved a fire truck and a car. He said, and and he just kind of froze and he was like, there's nothing left of the car. And I don't know what that means. And so about that time, the phone rings. So you know how you are when you're tense and you're like, hey, it's Warren. And I run to the phone and it was his dad saying Warren still wasn't home. So... By now, you obviously know where this story is headed. So, in, in the next few moments, my dad gets on the phone with Warren's dad and he's like, Hey, I, I don't want to scare you, but you know, I don't know really what's happening. And about that time, <clears throat> Warren's dad said, I, I have to go. Two police cars have just pulled up in front of our house. And so, in that moment, obviously, So here's a very tragic moment that, as a 15-year-old, I, you know, don't know how to process. But now that I'm a parent, trying to imagine how a parent processed that, you know, mind just blown. But I say that because of God's sovereignty this. Can God take the broken, harsh moments of our life and do something with it that goes beyond just the pain of the moment? And he can, and he does, and that's sovereignty, it's also intimacy because God's personal. Now, don't please mistake the say that God says, I'm going to let bad things happen so I can use this. It's not that at all. It's just the opposite. But what God did was later on, um, Warren's parents at one point had actually tried to write an article about the, the, the difficulty of faith of losing a child. So in other words, what God did was take a moment that was tragic And find a way sovereignly to try to help others who might be going through that. Because that's who God is. That's the sovereign piece of God and the intimate piece of God. Because without both, neither one are effective. You see, if God's not intimate and personal with us, then it's easy for those harsh moments to overwhelm us. Then the pain is worth only the pain. But God is sovereign, so he can take moments that happen here and use them much further down the line sovereignly. He also allows for what we've talked about here with Abraham and God. So we're talking about this idea. Well, it's also reinforced in the New Testament. If you read Romans eight twenty eight, this is what he says. And we know that all things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. So God takes all things and eventually works it to good, even in the moment that doesn't feel that way. Even in the moment where you're struggling with whatever that harsh thing is that happened five years ago, five weeks ago, maybe five hours ago. And he can take that and sovereignly use that again because of the intimate. And there will be someone somewhere who gets that encouragement that they need. So sticking with that idea and you just look at, okay, so what does this show us about God? Well, in his purpose, look who he chose to have a conversation with, okay? He chooses Abraham. What did he say about Abraham? I'm going to bless all nations through Abraham. I'm going to make him the father of many nations. And he goes to Abraham and asks him, and what do we see? We see that Abraham gets mercy. Abraham understands it. He's saying, look, for five people, I mean, excuse me, for the, if you're at 50 people and we can't find all 50, if we can only find 45, can you still hold back your hand? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Well, will you do it for 40? Yes, I will. Well, 30, yes, I will. 20, he's going to establish a nation, purpose, through someone who gets mercy. Someone who understands it. Someone who's living it and lived it. And that's what God does, and that's the sovereignty or purpose there. He chooses Abraham and has conversation knowing that Abraham gets it. Abraham understands about the hard places. Well, what about the intimacy part? Well, as I said, Abraham appeals to him as a just God. In other words, Abraham knows a little bit about God and his character. He says, you're just. In other words, listen, notice that Abraham didn't try to argue with God, saying, well, you shouldn't take out wickedness. You know, you shouldn't do that. It's okay. Just excuse it. That was never the question. The question was, when he described him and he said, you are just, far be it from you, To wipe out the righteous and the wicked. And then notice what Abraham follows it up with. Abraham didn't say, will you please take out just the the righteous first and then take them out. He said, will you hold back and not wipe any of them away. So for the sake of the righteous, will you hold back. That shows intimate because he understood God. He wasn't asking God to do something contrary to God's spirit. It wasn't like God came down there going, I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to wipe them out. Oh, wait, I never thought of that, Abraham. Good thinking. Let me rethink this. God's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. His character was the intimate piece. And he says, listen, and, you know, I mentioned being the father of, you know, four boys. So, um, as you know, with kids, we get to watch the same videos a lot. And over and over. And if you haven't had kids yet, you'll be amazed at how many times you can watch one video. And before long, you're beginning to recite it with them and, you know, all that. And so um, the good parenting moments, sometimes we watch veggie tales. Yeah, yeah, you get veggie tales in there, man. It's all right. Cheer for veggie tales. Parents, it's okay. Admit you're old. Um, so one of them was Jonah and the Big Fish. And it talks about, you know, how Jonah goes. And it relates... To this because Jonah's called to go to Nineveh and try to get him to repent Nineveh's bad and in Jonah and the big fish we find out they're fish slappers they slap people with fish so that's really bad I guess for veggies but um, the idea is that Jonah gets upset because God shows mercy to them now imagine this God tells you hey I want you to intercede and show mercy alright I'll do it you guys repent because otherwise God's going to kill you everybody repented. Now you're not going to kill them, are you, God? That was kind of how Jonah was. Jonah, in fact, gets mad at the very end and tells him, that's why I didn't want to go in the first place because I knew you were going to be nice and forgive them. All right, Jonah, where are you going with this, bro? But that's what happened. God wanted to be merciful. He did not want to sit there and go, oh, I can't wait to destroy them. And I tell you that because some of us, myself included, sometimes are guilty of reading the Bible and reading it as God can't wait to nail me for this. I've screwed up and now I've got to go hide before the lightning hits. And that's not who God was. In fact, a reference is in 2 Peter 3-9 in through in the New Testament. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Abraham, considered the father of faith, to me, understanding mercy, got that. Will you not destroy any of them if we can find 10 people who are righteous? If we can find 10 people who are righteous, I won't destroy any of them. Because the Lord is patience, that can get frustrating when our human mind can't it? Can it get frustrating when there's somebody out there that you're really irritated with, and they ain't acting godly at all, but they keep seeming to do really well? That can get real frustrating as a human being if we're not careful. But that's not who God is. God's um, God looks at it a little bit like this, and this is what I would you know. Let's just stay there for just a minute. If you've ever been guilty, I have, of sitting there and having something or a situation that occurs, and the first thing in my mind was, see, it's what you get. I've been telling you about this. This is the way you've been treating me, and now you get a little taste of it. How do you like that? Now you know what it feels like. Now, I may be the only one who's ever been that way, but I've been that way. You know, I may say, oh, you know, look, we're veggie tail people and we're also, no, 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 no. We're also the people that just about the time I'm watching some movie, somebody lets the D word go as the eight-year-old comes in and stops and says, why are we watching a movie with bad language? I couldn't find Jonah in the big fish. I I don't know. Um, So, you know, just being honest with you, there are certainly times that I don't look at someone and say, man, Lord, just please help them. There are times, especially when I've had hurt done to me, that I'll say, now you know what that feels like. But here's the question. If you've ever done that, if you know how it feels like, why would you want someone to feel that? I get it. We want people to understand us. We want people to change their behavior. We want things to be different. But once we've been through hurt, is really wanting other people to hurt the right way to get there? And I think that's the question. And for Abraham and for God, it was about mercy. I am not slow the way you people think I'm slow, but I'm taking my time and patience so that none can perish. Yes, if all those people in Sodom and Gomorrah repent just as I get ready to drop the hammer, great, then we're good. Well, what if you lived a whole life of, and you repent on your deathbed? That seems cheap. Not to God, it doesn't. And not to us if we understand mercy. So then we get to Abraham. You know, we talk about purpose. That's that purpose. He feels it. He gets it. He knows the place is wicked, but he says, isn't there a way to prevent this? God's purpose is. Abraham's purpose. And I think it ties into the last point for Abraham, and that's the intimate part. Guess who needs mercy right now? Abraham. Think about this for just a minute. He's been hanging on to a promise from God for, I don't know, he's 99 years old. All he's wanted was a son, an heir. He's 99. Guys, I'm 54. Man, we start playing the guess what's going to hurt today game. And why does it hurt today? I don't know. But I'm 99. And on top of all that, God came and gave him a promise. But he gave him the promise over 13 years ago. That is a long time to wait for a promise. If you don't believe that, I'll go back to having my kids. Tell your son, hey, I'll take you fishing later and see how long later is. It ain't long. It's going to be every five minutes until we get there. And even if you explain, listen, we're going to go to Three Spoons tomorrow. How long's tomorrow? You will sleep. Then you will wake up. Then we will have breakfast. Then we will go to Three Spoons. Are we going to Three Spoons? I mean, the five-year-old is just like a revolving door. Are we going to Three Spoons today? No, we're going to go tomorrow. Great. I'll be right back. Are we going to Three Spoons today? No. I haven't even finished saying no. And you've just come back around. Imagine trying to tell a kid, listen, we're gonna go three spoons in 13 short years. Number one, it won't be 13 short years, because if they've convinced you're going to three spoons, you're going to have 13 years of being pestered until you get there. But for Abraham, he needs that mercy because Abraham has been waiting. And waiting. And waiting. And he tried to do it the wrong way, and he's laughed. It says that Abraham laughed, and his wife has laughed. And you know that it wasn't the good laughter of, oh, good God, ha-ha, we're going to have it in a year. We know it was the kind of laugh that said, man, how? Because she even said, look, well, I'm, I'm beyond the ways of a woman. How's that going to happen? And when God says, you laughed, oh, no, I didn't. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't me. I didn't laugh. I mean, that's straight from, from Scripture. So here's someone who gets mercy because he knows he still needs mercy. And so staying with that for just a minute, when you know you need mercy, sometimes you're encouraged when that mercy comes to others. So yes, Abraham cared about other people. Yes, Abraham got mercy. But I've got to think some part of Abraham needed to see that mercy in others so he could still continue to believe in that mercy for himself. Because we find out, the last verse, in Genesis 19, when it's all said and done, by the way, God is just, and he couldn't find the ten people, so he did destroy it. But what it does say in 19, verse 29, is when he destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that destroyed the cities where he had lived. And Abraham took a look and saw that. So, in other words, God was faithful. He said, if I could find ten, I won't do it. I couldn't. But what I did do in this case was I remembered, not that he had forgotten, he thought of, I thought of you, Abraham, and I was merciful. I was merciful to your family, and I got him out of there. I offered that opportunity because he is merciful. God is merciful. He's sovereign. I've got to do this, but this event here has impact here on you. And this event with you has impact for other people out there. So that's where the the intervention comes between those two things. Oops, excuse me, hope I didn't break that. So here's the question as we finish up. Kind of an application piece. You know, have no idea where any of us are, but this is what I would ask us. Somewhere in your life, is there some broken piece, some hurt? Maybe it's not even that, you know, maybe it's a triumph. Is there some piece of our life that we have with God that has that sovereign purpose to it? In other words, it happened when it happened, good or bad. And can it still be used now, years later, weeks later, months later, for mercy for others? for intimate, for others? Is there somebody out there who maybe says, man, you just don't get what it's like to feel this, and maybe we do because we have been there. So the question, the other side of that question is, maybe you're a person who says, man, I just, you don't get it. I've been fighting this. I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this now. There's not a place for it. So start there for God's sovereignty. God, will you save this town for the sake of 50? Yes. Will you save it for the sake of 40? Yes. The sake of 20? Yes. 10? Yes. Will you save me? Yes. And that's, that's the sovereignty of it and the intimacy of it. And if you're... In that case, it's intimate because you need to hear that. Man, it, it, you've screwed up. Or maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you're just going through a place and a time. And you're like, man, this just, you don't understand. I, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, it just keeps happening. Maybe you don't even walk with God right now and you're not sure. But regardless. Or you are the other way around and you've said, hey... I get it. I've been through some stuff. Maybe there's a purpose here. So for you, the sovereign purpose is, can what happened to you then, now, whenever, be sovereign enough to impact someone else? Because I will tell you this, if you don't understand personally your continual need for mercy, you can't give it to anyone else. And if for some chance... We fall into that category of saying, you know, that old fun expression, and then we'll we'll kind of be done. But just think about this. Well, man, I can forgive, but I will never forget. Or I will never forgive them for what they did. Man, hurt is real. Don't ever continually put yourself in a situation where you're going to get hurt. Forgiving doesn't necessarily mean that you punch me in the face, and I walk back and go, I forgive you, and you punch me in the face, and I forgive you, and we do this for an hour and a half. Sometimes it's, I forgive you, but I'm not going to get punched in the face anymore. But what I would tell you is this. If you don't understand that even today, mercy is needed by you, you're not going to get mercy. And I mean understand mercy. Mercy understand. Because if God says, look, I don't care who you are, I will give you mercy. And we say, "Mm -mm, I'm not forgiving them. You just said, okay, on the grand scale, God is here and I'm here. Because you said you'd forgive him, God, but I'm not. And we probably better get that going the other way. So in this sovereignty and in this moment of intimacy, you know, if you fit, you fit. Where? Are you the one who needs it? What about for me, God? The answer is yes. And if you're in a good spot right now, or a spot where you've wondered about some of your hurts, or your pains, or your triumphs, then that's that sovereignty. Where can that benefit someone else?